back with another installment of JV to the Pros. I'm your host, Jack Vecchio. This is Season 6, Episode 5 of JV to the Pros. That's right, we are six seasons in. We've got a lot to cover today, and we have a guest. We have a guest that is trying to keep himself from gloating. Actually, he's awfully humble, considering he has predicted 100 percent of all the playoff games and 100 percent of all the ga- teams that would end up in the NCAA championship game and 100 percent of who would win that championship game so yes the great Gerardo will be back on the show today to talk about what happened to get the final two teams to the Super Bowl and we're going to talk about a few things I only have him for a short time today, so I'm going to kind of compress everything. So I'm going to get some stories out of the way to start off the show. Uh, I'm going to talk about the fact that I know you guys are aware that I'm a huge fan of the Big Bang Theory. And the man who actually won the Nobel Prize, the physicist who helped find evidence to confirm the Big Bang Theory. Nothing to do with the show, completely coincidental, but it drew my attention because this guy actually confirmed a theory that had been kind of kicked around for decades, and that is Arno Penzias. And he has passed away at the age of 90. Penzias actually fled Nazi Germany before joining his colleague, Dr. Robert Wilson, to settle the long scientific debate over how the the universe was born. Well, Dr. Arno Penzias, along with his friend, Robert Wilson, Dr. Robert Wilson, they were actually able to prove how the Big Bang Theory happened and what caused it to happen through background radiation that was left behind 14 billion years ago. So they were able to conclusively prove the birth of the universe. I mean, (laughs) you know, they did this back in 1978. 1978, I was mastering handball because I got tired of playing paddle ball. And these guys were figuring out how the the universe came to be. Well, you know, good for them. That is a life well-lived. Arno Arno Penzias, one of the two founders who had discovered the birth of the universe in the Big Bang Theory, has passed away at the age of 90. Now, I'm going to switch gears because we've got um, yet another legal claim by Donald Trump. And I remind you, his real name is not Trump. It's Trump, but they changed it to Trump when his family decided that Trump sounds like something in a toilet. Anyway... At a recent court hearing in Washington, D.C., former President Donald Trump and his legal team faced a challenging interrogation. And this was over the concept of presidential immunity. Basically, what Donald Trump and his team are trying to say is that if the president 
of the United States commits a crime, he has immunity from being prosecuted for that crime. And obviously, this is the issue that centers on Trump's involvement in the January 6th Capitol riots. And his defense is claiming that since he was still the president at the time, he's immune to criminal prosecution. Well, Donald Trump, Trump, let me explain something to you. President Nixon thought that that's how it worked also. Now, President Nixon in the early 70s was found to have orchestrated tapping the Democratic National Convention to gather information for the Republican Party. And this is actually a phenomenal piece of American history because the famous Watergate Hotel was where the Democratic National Convention was being held. And the Republican Party, and this went all the way to the top, to the president's desk, had orchestrated putting in audio surveillance so they can listen to the strategy of the Democratic National Party in order to get President Nixon reelected. Well, here's one of those crazy moments in American history. The Democrats went home for the day, leaving the, you know, the big gathering room alone, while one of the night security guards, basically a maintenance guy, was just wandering around checking to make sure all the doors are locked, everything's fine, and he happened to notice some wiring going over a doorway over a door jam. And he thought, that's odd. I've never seen that before because this was, you know, one of those areas where they hold conventions and stuff, a large room. He's never noticed that before. So he began, um, he began uh, investigating and realized that since this is where the Democratic National Convention is being held, he probably should contact the police, and he did. And the Secret Service stepped in. And yes, the Secret Service not only works with the reigning party, but also works with the party that is trying to get their power back. So the Secret Service came in, and they came to find out that the Watergate Hotel was wired up for sound, and they were gathering intel on the Democrats while running for re-election for President Nixon. Well... Nixon was busted, and Nixon believed in this presidential immunity thing, just like Trump does. Now, let me let you hear a quote. Nixon had the audacity to give an interview with, with um, Mr. Frost, who Mr. Frost was the man at the time to get interviews, just the way Oprah is now. And he sat down to chat with him about whether or not the president is as culpable as everyone else. And during that interview with David Frost, President Nixon said this. Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Can you believe he said that? And the funny thing is, the whole world was watching this interview. And Nixon said that, and you can see the look on his face when he said it like, oh no, 
Was that out loud? And David Frost looked at him and said, excuse me, what did you just say? And now the cat's out of the bag. He believes that if the president doesn't, does it, it's not illegal. And Trump is going with the same defense. Well, Donald, let me explain something to you. Nixon was being absolutely tried for that crime because it's a felony. And Nixon absolutely was culpable. And Nixon had to resign because the president is not above the law. Nobody supposedly is above the law, although we've seen some rich people get out of some pretty bad things because they can afford really high-priced legal teams. OJ, anyway, so Donald Trump is trying his best to not be held culpable for what he did on the January 6th riots, but all roads seem to lead right back to Donald J. Trump orchestrating this. And, and I'll tell you what, between Trump and Giuliani and Easton, these guys were drunk with power. They wanted to get reelected. And when they didn't get reelected, they decided to throw a tantrum. And they threw a tantrum in the form of 20,000 supporters that they sent to the Capitol to either get Mike Pence to reverse the election, which if the vice president can do that, Al Gore would have done that in 2000 when he had the issue with, with George W. Anyway, obviously the vice president doesn't have that power. You know, when, when there's a transfer of power, you have to make it a peaceful transition of power. And Trump wasn't willing to do that because Trump is used to getting his own way. I'll tell you what, I'll throw a fit. I'm sending everybody. Let's hang them. I'll be disappointed in you. He's out of his mind. And the funny thing is, Trump had some really, really good successful policies as president. But more and more, I'm talking to Trump supporters, friends of mine, and they're very candid about the fact that they just wish he'd keep his damn mouth shut. Anyway, um, here's the deal. Trump is defending his actions by saying that he has presidential immunity. Well, Trump was also trying to get himself back on the Colorado ballot. And the people of Colorado have decided that, you know what? You did this to yourself. You could have been on the ballot. You weren't going to be the president for the next four years, but you did this to yourself. So that said, you will not be on the ballot in Colorado. And frankly, it doesn't look like Donald Trump is going to be on the ballot in about 14 or 15 other states. So I don't know what to say to Donald Trump, but Donald Trump thinks he's above it all. And he has the same attitude Nixon had in the 70s. But when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you go with that, Donald. Let's get you some sort of a striped outfit and get you used to uh, shackles because you are as accountable as everyone else in this country. And I'm going to prove that because my next story is about a former 
L.A. city council member who drew a 13-year federal prison sentence. Yeah, he got 13 years. Former Los Angeles city council member has gotten a 13-year federal prison sentence in connection with a $1.5 million high-profile corruption case. That's only a million and a half dollars. Are you kidding they did a million and a half dollars worth of damage at the Capitol about every five minutes. Defense lawyers for former city council member Jose Huzar had asked for nine years in prison. They were negotiating nine years. Could you imagine if you left your home today and you're hoping that the best you can do is nine years? You'll be back in nine years. So if you're 41, you'll be back when you're 50. Think about that. So this guy was trying to negotiate nine years. Well, District Judge John Walter disagreed, stating during a sentencing hearing on Friday that the 55-year-old made a business of his public office at the expense of the citizens of Los Angeles. Now, Husar represented City Council District 14 and pleaded guilty to charges under Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organization Act. He just, you know what? I mean, and in L.A., I mean, this goes on regularly. I mean, there was somebody else recently that had to resign because he couldn't stand the temptation of all the bribes that were being offered. So as part of the sentence, Husar owes the city of Los Angeles $443,905 in restitution. And he also pleaded guilty to tax evasion. So not only was he ripping off the city of Los Angeles, but he wasn't paying taxes on it. So he's also required to pay $38,792 to the IRS. This guy is just an LA city council member, not the president. And he is as culpable as anybody in this position. Now, the other thing that's kind of a killer is he's the first Mexican immigrant ever elected to the Los Angeles City Council. Huzar spoke briefly on the courthouse steps following Friday's hearing, and he said, I'd like to think I made a positive impact on the lives of thousands of people in my district and the city as a whole. You know what? No, your legacy will be that you were convicted of racketeering and you're going to prison for 13 years. That's going to be your legacy. No matter what you think you did, you didn't do the right thing by the city of Los Angeles. And this is the same path that Donald Trump is on, and he will also be held accountable. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think Donald Trump would probably do himself right by hiring my good friend and probably the best attorney in the country, Paul Sorrentino to represent him. Paul would figure out how to minimize culpability for the former president because he just seems to be digging a bigger and bigger hole. Now, speaking of Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis, 619-573-4900, Paul Sorrentino is known as the employer lawyer. And the reason he's known as this is because Paul Sorrentino actually represents people that do the hiring, people that do the employing. He represents 
the businesses. He represents small businesses, mom and pop businesses, companies, corporations. He represents some of the biggest corporations in the world. And they know to go to him because when employees decide they're going to get together and try to do a money grab, oh yeah, Paul Sorrentino will put a stop to that. So Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis, 619-573-4900. He will protect what you've built. He is the employer lawyer but he's much more talented than that than just that area of of the law paul can take care of anything so if you have any legal issues and you want to hire the best paul sorrentino is the best you call him at jackson lewis 619-573-4900 and you ask for paul sorrentino the employer lawyer i do think mr trump would be very happy if he walked into court with Paul Sorrentino protecting him. But I don't think that Donald Trump is going to be able to wiggle his way out of this. He's looking to dance through the raindrops and get away with, you know, just get away with crimes. Now, you know, speaking of people that are seeking to get away with crimes, I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to tell you about a movie I saw about a year or two ago starring Judd Nelson. And Judd Nelson did a movie in the 80s called From the Hip. And <laughs> ironically, he unknowingly portrayed Paul Sorrentino in that movie. <laughs> and Judd Nelson shows the antics of a young attorney who just happened to be graduating law school at about the same time Paul Sorrentino was. Parallel? Yeah, far beyond coincidence. Well, Judd Nelson recently released a film called The Girl in the Basement. And the film was about a guy who had four or five kids. And one of the kids he had an obsession with, one of the girls, he had this obsession with her. And so he knew that his wife never went down to the basement. So, so he, he carefully created a completely enclosed, soundproof room in the basement. A large room, probably seven or 800 square feet. But this room had two sets of combination locked doors that were sealed. So if you got through one, you still couldn't get through the other. And all of it was soundproofed. And one day, he brought this daughter that he had this obsession with, asked her to help her move a piece of furniture, and she brought the table down there, and he quickly locked her in there. And she would be locked in there for over 20 years and never leave. And he was going down there and raping her and beating her and she was actually getting pregnant and having children down there. And he kept abusing and abusing and abusing her for decades. And this was a really disturbing movie. It's called The Girl in the Basement. And it, it just, it gave me nightmares. It was so frightening. And then I found out that it was based on a real life, true story. Well, here's the story, and when I get done telling you this story, your stomach is going to turn. Now, the man's name is Joseph 
J-O-S-E-F, Joseph Fritzl, F-R-I-T-Z-L. He's an Austrian man who held his daughter captive in his basement as a sex slave for 24 years, and he fathered seven children with her. Well, last week, he was seen smirking as he left a courtroom where the court ruled he could be transferred from a psychiatric ward to a regular prison. Now, Fritzl's move to a regular prison, I didn't know this about Austrian law, but it reportedly marks the first step of his parole bid. He kept this poor girl in a basement, locked with no windows, no access to outside, no medical care for 24 years and repeatedly raped her and fathered children with her. But according to Austrian law, it allows prisoners sentenced to life in prison to apply for parole after serving 15 years. Well, Fritzl was was imprisoned in 2009. Do the math. Yeah, this year marks 15 years. And he is seeking to be released after doing this to his own daughter. <sighs> well, Fritzl's lawyer, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the quote from Fritzl's lawyer. And the quote is, quote, in summary, the court has come to the conclusion that it is indeed the case that he is no longer dangerous, unquote. This is Astrid Wagner telling the Associated Press this. Fritzl reportedly now has dementia and a psychiatric evaluation suggested that he does not pose any future threats to the public. Well, you know, my cousin's a cop in New York, and he was explaining to me that even criminals have lines you don't cross. And when it comes to children, they will take the law into their own hands. They will become clever and creative to make sure that person pays for what they did. Well, Thursday's court decision overturned a 2022 ruling rejecting Fritzl's request to be moved to a regular prison. So he is dubbed the monster of Amstetten, A-M-S-T-E-T-T-E-N, the monster of Amstetten, which must be an area in Austria. And apparently he kidnapped his own 18-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, in 1984 and kept her locked in a soundproof basement in their obstetan home where he fathered seven of her children over more than two decades. Well, she was found in 2008 after 24 years of captivity and brutal abuse in the windowless basement. Elizabeth's mother was apparently oblivious to her daughter's captivity in her own home, according to Austrian authorities. When asked about her whereabouts, Fritzl would reportedly say that she had run away. Well, in 2008, authorities charged Fritzl with incest, rape, coercion, false imprisonment, enslavement. Basically, there's a special place in hell for you. 
Now, he was also charged with negligent homicide after he had killed one of the sons he had fathered with his captive daughter soon after the baby was born. The court agreed to move Fritzel into a regular prison, which I think is great news because the prisoners, once they realize what he's there for, they will take it. Well, they're saying that he's going to undergo psychotherapy. Oh, yeah. He's going to undergo psychotherapy with Bubba and the boys. Everybody, white, black, Mexican, everybody is going to want a piece of this guy. He's going to be giving up a pound of flesh a day. Well, this guy, this guy is the worst of the worst. And the daughter who was imprisoned all that time was shocked to find out that he might be getting released after what he put her through for a quarter of a century. I mean, this is just more than horrific. I mean, I'm I'm so shocked that they're willing. I mean, this guy, you know what? There isn't a punishment. There isn't a punishment bad enough for for this i mean this 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 guy is unbelievable unbelievable i mean i think the only reason he's still alive is cuz satan doesn't want the competition anyway um i'm going to keep following that story because that's that's maybe the most disturbing story i've ever done on this show the other story I wanted to do was apparently a 24-year-old woman driving on the wrong side of the street in Manhattan came face-to-face -face with a cop who was walking. NYPD officer was walking, and she's going the wrong way on the street. And this woman decided she would drive right into the officer and she stepped on the gas and crashed into the officer and it looked so painful and this woman said she did it on purpose. So she got out of the car with her hands up and it was immediately cuffed but... Um, you know, the officer is hurt and um, she is saying that she wanted the cop, she wanted to hit the cop on purpose. So she did it and she floored it and hit him. So this is yet another attack on NYPD officers in the New York area. Um, and she admitted it immediately that she did it on purpose. So... You know, New York police officers, I don't know how they're keeping themselves staffed in New York because these guys are under attack all day long, every day. I mean, you know, I I don't talk to my cousin Dom anymore, but I mean, the last time I spoke to him, he said that people were putting in for retirement left and right, and it was, um, the requests were up 400%. Because um, this officer Diaz now gets hit and somebody else is going to get hit. And 
I mean, it's just they're dropping. I, I know that, that uh, Dom told me a story where he was patrolling in New York and somebody dropped a bowling ball out the window of their apartment building and the thing just missed the two of them and bounced and they ended up watching it bounce and as it came to a stop, they grabbed the bowling ball and there was the person's name on the bowling ball. And so they went up into the building and they found the apartment and they arrested the guy. And, you know, the guy admitted, yeah, 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 this is what I did. I'm just like, what? Who does this stuff? Anyway, we are going to, we are going to have um, the great Gerardo on. We're going to talk, um, we're going to talk some, some football. We're going to talk about the fact that he has predicted every single winner for the entire playoff season. So, unbelievable. We'll have him on shortly. The great Gerardo will be here. As promised, I will have the great Gerardo on the phone, ready to do an interview for the show. That's right. The great Gerardo is coming on, ready to do his thing. He is the great Gerardo. Are you there, my man? Yeah, how you doing, Jack? <laughs> how calm you are. You know, I just spoke to a good buddy of mine who's been living in Vegas for like 35 years. And <laughs> he said they'd be dancing in the streets if they had your streak. He said, that guy, that NFL guy, how does he know this stuff? Everybody is saying the same thing. How does he know this stuff? You know? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but you know what? Let's give you your intro. Here's your intro. The Great Gerardo! I can go on and on like that. All right, so here's the deal. Okay, I, I have I have some questions for you, but I want to tell you that I texted all good streaks come to an end. And my buddy, <laughs> who I was playing, ba I, we had baseball practice. Yes, we still do baseball practice at this age. So the team had baseball practice. He looked at me and he shook his head. And he said, you know what? Don't do it. Don't do it. That guy's never wrong. Don't do it. Don't don't hit send. So I had those words in there and I didn't hit send because I was going to wait until the last tick of the fourth quarter and then send it. <laughs> and, and, and you got it right again. I'm like, oh my, when it was 24-7, I thought this thing's done. Yeah, that that game was a head scratcher for me. Well, let me let me ask you something, okay? Because here's here's what I'm getting 
from two of the gym. I work out at three different gyms and two of the gyms that I work out, work out at, they said similar things. They said that they thought, you know, Campbell, Campbell had pretty much been the riverboat gambler. He'd been that guy, you know, on the craps table, throwing it all, looking for boxcars, you know, and I mean, going for it on fourth down and not taking the points and progressing forward with the score. I mean, when they were up, when they were up by 10, you get the field goal and instead he goes for it and they eat a crow sandwich. Do you think maybe not changing his strategy and being kind of stubborn about staying with the plan that got him there may have cost him that NFC championship game? Um, I, I just disagree on when he made those decisions just because like at the end of the first half, you know, when he opted to kick the field goal instead of go for go for the touchdown, like if you're if if he sticks to his strategy, like you might as well go for the touchdown there and almost put the game away because, like if you if you don't get it, it's not like there's a momentum shift because you go into halftime, right? But later in the game when you get stopped once and then again in the second half, there's just a lot of momentum switched, and I think I would have opted to kick a field goal towards the end of the game because I feel like you just need points against the 49ers as like they're coming back. But you don't think he you don't think he pushed his luck? I mean, some of what he did was lucky. It wasn't like the Eagles fourth and one. He was going for it on fourth and four, fourth and three. Yeah, fourth and three. Yeah. Like I said, I think I would have switched when he decided to do it. Like I would have went for it at the end of the first half and then kicked the field goals in the second half. So if you had been on the sidelines, you would have advised him otherwise. Yeah, I would have kicked the field goal. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was sitting there going, you know, why why, why not take the points? Yeah, I mean, it came back to bite him at 10. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, when all of a sudden it was 24 all, I'm thinking, okay, I've got friends. Of course, I live in California. You live in California. Got friends that are Niners fans, and they must have been losing their mind at the fact that it was – now tied and it's anybody's game yeah yeah absolutely yeah so i mean you must have had quite the the grin on your face <laughs> when they came back <laughs> yeah when when i saw that i was like oops but i mean i honestly thought the lions would have been like a tougher match for for the chiefs in all honesty than the niners would be well, because I think the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. I don't. I don't. I don't see a world. Where, I don't think the Niners win. I think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Okay, you think you think it's the Chiefs? I think it's the Chiefs. I think if you have the Lions, who have a very strong run defense, right? Um, I think that changes up a little bit. But just with. You know, the Chiefs have a strong defense now, and if they're able to run the ball with Pacheco, it opens up so much other stuff they can do. And I just think Patrick Patrick Mahomes is going to have a master class game again. You know what the you know what the spread is, right? It's like one and a half. Right? One and a half, yeah, it's one and a half. Now the funny thing is, I you know I, I'm getting 
my information about as fast as the internet because of my buddy that I grew up with living out there. And he said, he, he, he called me up and said, he said, Jack, you're not going to believe this. The spread came out one and a half. It was at two and it immediately dropped to one and a half. But the second thing on the board, guess what the second thing on the board was? No idea. Okay. There's an over under to how many shots of Taylor there will be in the course of the game. <laughs> and the over under is 25 and a half over the course of the That's game. And the shots have to be in play. They can't be like coming out of commercial or anything. So it has to be while the clock is running, but 25 and a half is the spread because Taylor has a concert. Is seconds. Is that seconds? 25 and a half, seconds, 25 and a half, 25 and a half shots. That means they will cut to Taylor 25 times in the course of the game. Oh, I would take the under on that for sure. <laughs> Just for fun. I'm going to see what it ends up to be. <laughs> Yeah, $5 on it. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, okay, she announces she's got a Tokyo concert. And because Tokyo's 17 hours ahead of the United States, ahead of Vegas, that she's going to get in her jet and basically tell them to floor it. And she'll make the game easily. I'm wondering if the networks are looking at it like, hey, you know what? Women are not as interested in this game as men normally. But if they think we're going to show Taylor, I think they're going to be tuning in. I think we cut to Taylor every chance we get. Maybe. I We have to – we can speculate about that. I mean, she's definitely grown the game for sure. I think there's going to be a lot more viewers watching the Super Bowl just because of the whole storyline and, you know, you know. Karma, it's yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I sit there and I'm thinking, you know, she has, she has become the third component of the game, and frankly, um, like last night, I'm watching the CBS Evening News, and they said, um, uh, Nor O'Donnell said, well, the Super Bowl has been set between the Chiefs and the 49ers, and how many times will we see Taylor in the course of the game? Like, she didn't talk about the quarterbacks or anything. That was the way they wrote it up off the prompter. Whatever gets ratings, right? Yeah, I mean, we got to remember this is entertainment. We have to keep that in mind that, that, you know, sports are entertainment, and Taylor is an entertainer. And this whole thing with Travis Kelsey has become, you know, they've made them the darlings couple, the power couple between entertainment and sports. And they've created quite the fascination. Yeah. So, you know, and I was going to talk to you about this about three weeks ago, and I thought, let me wait. Um, did you happen to catch one of the last games of the year that Nickelodeon bought? It was like a Raiders... Um, I don't know. It was Raiders something game. You're a Raiders fan. And it was on Nickelodeon. It wasn't on the other networks. And they had computer graphic like slime and, and you know, cannons. Yeah, like the, like the Kids' Choice Awards, right? They did yeah. The NFL game. Right. Yeah. And so the thing that bothered me, because I, I didn't have an option to watch the game elsewhere, was the referee would stop play and say, Holding, 
defense, number 55, five-yard penalty, repeat second down. And then one of the characters from the Nickelodeon channel would be superimposed on the screen. I can't even say this with a straight face. And would begin reading from the NFL rule book. Holding is when one player impedes the motion or movement of another player, causing them to not be able... I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. And then you got to realize, okay, this is the NFL's effort to get young kids interested in football. Yeah. But this thing they do with the CG computer-generated cannons on the screen overlapping the end zone and slime filling the end zone. They were doing this as guys were scoring and you couldn't even see the guys anymore because this slime would take up the front part of the screen. So you couldn't see what was happening as guys were scoring a touchdown or catching it or, or intercepting something. And the other thing they did, which they would get a whole bunch of pizzas and hand out slices to an entire section and then superimpose on the TV a pizza cannon shooting slices of pizza into the crowd, obviously all fake, and then they would cut to real people eating real pizza to make you think that the cannon actually shot slices of pizza into the crowd. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was so, as as a football fan who learned football the way most of us learn football by figuring it out and and learning by by watching and repetition they're spoon feeding it to 8 9 10 11 12 year olds with you know SpongeBob SquarePants and and different characters from Nickelodeon and I thought this stinks and then I find out that they're simulcasting the Super Bowl on CBS and guess what other channel? Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they're going to have kids watching Nickelodeon and basically very slowly learning what each penalty is. And the announcers on Nickelodeon are credible announcers. But they're they're sitting there going, whoa, he got slimed as he got in the end. Like they act like they're all into it. They have got to be yeah. going home telling their wives, oh, my God, what have I ended up yeah. to be? <laughs> That's funny. Now, did you watch that Raiders game at the end of the season with the with the Nickelodeon? I did not. Good for you. Not. Good for you. It was so difficult. They had a giant Santa Claus on the field making it look like 12 men on the field. And yeah. when somebody would jump on defense – they would replay it with one of the characters from Nickelodeon acting like he pushed them. All the graphics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, for me, and not just me, I've spoken to friends of mine and there's a group that I meet with on Wednesdays for dinner usually. And, and they were just like, Oh my goodness. I mean, for those of us that know what's going on, that was specifically crafted for kids that have no idea what's going on, but now they're going to learn and they're going to feel like they're up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the fact that they're simulcasting, I mean, I don't know. Um, um, I don't know what 
Nickelodeon is paying for for you know being able to air those games. But uh, you know the 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 Chiefs first round game um, in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, you remember it was on. It was on like Paramount Plus or something, or yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, and but here's the thing: they were charging people. I think they were charging ten or twelve bucks to watch the game. And I thought, you know, they paid a hundred and fifty million dollars for the rights to air that game. Well, guess what? People wanted to watch the game, and they made. 221 they made 71 million bucks in the course of that game they were expecting 300 but people were like you know what the hell with that i don't need to watch the game that bad that i'm going to take food off my table to watch the game like i just think they're i just think they're 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 pushing it to find out how far they can get away you know, with charging people, it's kind of like uh, back in the day with HBO and pay-per-view events. They started pay-per-viewing yeah. as much as they could, and finally, people stopped watching HBO. They got us to the breaking point, and we became disinterested. Yeah, and that was the same thing with that Chiefs game in the uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Hundred and fifty million bucks to broadcast one game, and they still made seventy-one million dollars on it. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, and and the the, you know, I mean, you could probably pull it up after we get done here because I know that you're on a on a tight schedule today, and we're kind of running out. But um, you could pull up some of the clips from it. It was so annoying; it was hard to watch the game. Oh, I bet. Because these characters were all over the field, like you couldn't really see what was going on. They were standing in front of the players. And I thought, you know, I don't really want to complain about this too much, but everybody's complaining to me about it. Like, why haven't you mentioned it? <laughs> yeah. So, so let me ask you: one and a half for the Super Bowl, one and a half spread is basically, you know, winner take all. You got the Chiefs beating the Niners, right? Yeah, I have the yeah. yeah. You yeah. <laughs> Okay, now I I I know <laughs> I'm gonna hate this, but I am I am going with Brock Purdy and the Niners, and uh, just because I think they're a more talented team. But you're never wrong, and so what are you calling? What are you calling for the final? Give me Chiefs by four. Chiefs by four. So you're you're saying 34-30, 30-26, somewhere like that? Chiefs? Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking like hmm. Yeah. I I I would say something along that. I would say let me see. Like You're thinking you're thinking they're gonna straddle the thirty. Somebody's getting out of there with thirty and winning by four, or somebody's getting just over thirty and winning by four. Yeah, I would say so. I would say, yeah, I would say so. Just because I feel like Patrick Mahomes probably leads like a, leads a game-winning like touchdown drive, and then they win by four. And I, I, I just, 
I'm not picking Brock Purdy over Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I, I, I don't care how good the Niners roster is. I just – he he's going to play to a level so high that no other quarterback in the NFL could play to. And I honestly think that the 49ers defense can be pretty fraudulent at times. I think that you could run the ball against them. I think there's mismatches with certain corners. And I just think that the Chiefs are going to exploit all of that. Well, Andy Reid is a genius. But, you know, Shanahan, you know, he's no schlub. No, he's not. And the Chiefs just lost their D-end. Because um, remember, he tore his ACL last game. So, I mean, it, they, they'll be missing one of their pass rushers. But that's still a very strong defense. Okay. Last thing before I let you go. You said Harbaugh will go to the Chargers. Or he'll stay at Michigan. Either he's staying at Michigan or he's going to go in the NFL with the Chargers. I didn't realize the pressure and the heat he would have been under if he had stayed at Michigan. The NCAA, they were coming for him. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm with you on that. I thought it wouldn't be as severe as it came out to be, but it was honestly a win for both sides. Like, you know, he got him. A national championship he gets to go to the nfl they have you know coach moore who's taking over who did great when he wasn't there and also if he stuck around and they you know basically pulled the usc on michigan then that program just gets hit pretty hard right but hopefully there's nothing too serious with the program after he leaves so if i if we knew more about that stuff i would have been like oh they for sure want him to take the chargers job but i think it's good for everyone involved okay and you know that um Arthur Smith, former head coach of the Falcons, was hired as the offensive coordinator with the Steelers. Yeah, Mr. FedEx. Oh, yeah. Mr. <laughs> FedEx. yeah. <laughs> I don't know that he likes being called that. But yeah, his dad was one of the founders of, I think, FedEx or UPS or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like a trillionaire or something. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, he will be the offensive coordinator. And I thought, you know... I keep questioning, like, this guy comes from a family of ridiculous wealth. He must really love this game and love working in the NFL because, I mean, he really doesn't have to do any of this. Oh, absolutely. Right. So, anyway, so I think that's a good, I think that's a good hire for the Steelers. And you know what? Harbaugh has won 70% of all of his games between college and the NFL, 70%, more than 70% over his career. So this might be exactly what the Chargers need. And I just got an alert before I got on the phone with you about the Chargers hired somebody else for a GM. Um, and they got they got a GM that, that Harbaugh is real comfortable with. So I think, you know, with Harbaugh and, you know, and the quarterback – and their defense, I think, I think he might be in, you know, in a position to challenge the Chiefs in that division next year. I'm not saying beat them, but at least be on their toes, right on their heels, you know. They have to get through the Raiders first, but yeah. 
<laughs> you are such a Raiders man. You and I have got to go to a game this upcoming season. Promise me we will find a game and we will go out there and enjoy a game. I don't care who the Raiders are playing. I just love seeing a game there. That's the best place in the in all of football to watch a game. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, we'll meet out there. We'll have we'll spend a couple of days. We'll watch a game. We'll have a good time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Listen, I want to thank you very much. By the way, um, I just got some good news, and that was the reason I was a couple minutes late um, coming on with you. Uh, I just landed an AutoZone commercial. So, yeah, now all the listeners know. Yeah, they, they just, just, remember you said, I'm ready when you are? And, yeah. and I said, yeah, give me five minutes. We're working out some details. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 I mean, I submitted for it. But yeah, so you'll be seeing me, you know, during some of the breaks during uh during the game, hopefully, because we're gonna start shooting this thing Monday. Awesome, congrats! Let me know how it goes. I will. All right, brother, you take care and thanks for coming on. Yep, take care, Jack. Bye. All right, bye bye. That is the great Gerardo doing it again. Man, that guy rocks. Great Gerardo! Da da da! Come on! Da 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 da! Da 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 da! The great Gerardo! <laughs> yeah, the great Gerardo, man. He is calling it as the Chiefs by four. That's his thing. He's saying the Chiefs will take this thing by four. He doesn't think Brock Purdy can keep up with Patrick Mahomes, and even though the Chiefs defense lost one of their key players to a knee injury, he still thinks that the Niners defense is a little bit of Swiss cheese. He thinks they've got holes in it, and he thinks they can take them. He thinks that the, the Chiefs can do this again. Well, <laughs> I told you we had a full show for you, and think about it. I stayed away from... Florida stories, and believe me, there was a Florida story that came out this week, and I will talk about it next week, but we're going to talk also about the um, my opinion on the Pro Bowl, and I'll get into that with you um, next week, but I do want to thank you very much for listening. I want to thank all the listeners for taking in the show each week. I want to thank our producer, the Queen of Queens, New York, Karen. Producer Karen puts the show together when I'm all done, and she gets it on Instagram. By the way, JV to the pros, all spelled out on Instagram. JV to the pros at gmail.com. If you got something you want to email to us, JV to the pros on Facebook, and that's where Producer Karen posts all the visuals of all the stories I do on the show. That's right. JV to the pros, season six episode five and we got a chance to talk some serious football <laughs> yes
the great Gerardo does it again. By the way, that guy was 100% through all the playoffs. And frankly, I've got a lot of friends that are into sports. I got friends that are into betting on the games. I got friends that are into pool. I'm in an office pool, a national office pool. And I did really well this year and came up one game short of beating everybody for the season. But the great Gerardo is the only person I know and the only person my buddy in Vegas knows and the only person my buddy in New York knows that has gotten 100% of all the games correct. So with that said, we are going to sign off with Season 6, Episode 5 of JV to the Pros. I'm your host, Jack Fecchio. I want to thank our sponsor, Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis, 619-573-4900. He is the employer lawyer do not let your business get under attack not with paul sorrentino out there to help and protect you all right that's season six episode five of jv to the pros i'm jack vecchio and until we connect again you take care